Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. How to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and your life. And who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty. In fact, my team and I love the pretty. But what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to Home Energy Design. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and today is definitely going to be a feng shui ramble gamble. It's going to be a show that has a theme, but I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but I'm doing it because I want to offer up tips to help you manage what we're all going through. Um, I'm basing this basically on just all the emails that I keep getting. Um, You know, I offered up some tips a couple of weeks ago and I just, I don't know if people are doing them, not doing them, but um, this is definitely going to be one of the most challenging months um, that 2020 has to offer. I would say that November is probably going to be equally as challenging. And this isn't to scare you. This is to make you aware and help you prepare, which is what I've been trying to do all year. Um, we've got a lot of heavy aspects going on in the sky, uh, combined with a U.S. election that's starting to get real nasty and stupid, really, but... <laughs> That's simply my opinion. Um, But this month, you may experience roadblocks. Uh, There's probably going to be a lot of tension, a lot of conflict. Uh, You're going to experience limitations. Um, And a lot of you are doing shadow work where things are, you're you're basically being forced to face things that you may have been shoving down for a really long time. And the universe is like, nope. (laughs) we're going to face this head on. So this is really a time to be flexible. You know, I always tell you guys to take a step back, rest, go at it slowly, steadily. But um, I've really been contemplating this show all week and, and trying to nail down just actually what I wanted to talk about, what the theme was going to be. And I realized based on the emails that we've been getting and just talking to my friends and and close relatives that everyone's energy is just all over the damn place. And again, that goes back to astrology. And then you also combine that with what your Chinese zodiac animal is. You have traits, you know, uh, you may have strong fire, you may have strong metal. Um, And depending on what animal you are, you're going to have tendencies with that as well. So this stuff runs really, really deep. And a few weeks ago, I just mentioned this, I offered up some tips on how to deal with overwhelm. And the tips were a lot more general. I thought I would post them, put them up, call it a day. But I'm realizing that for a lot of people, it's not that simple. And so I was talking with a friend yesterday who is really facing some big time shadow work. And it's challenging for her. And she's getting wrapped up in shame and guilt and disappointing other people. 
And at the end of the day, it has nothing to do. And it's none of those people's business what she truly desires and what she wants to do. But those tips that I offered up in that podcast a couple of weeks ago, I think it was how to overcome overwhelm using feng shui. Today, I want to give you some hardcore tangible tips. So I think I've put together five or six. I can't remember. But they're kind of all over the place. But I've got some great, fantastic stories that I'm going to share. And I'm also going to give you a reading list. I keep telling you guys to read. And um, one of the biggest things that I keep hearing from y'all is, well, what the hell do I read? (laughs) Well, I can't answer that specifically, but I will tell you what I read. And let me just give you an FYI, fair warning. (laughs) I read some really boring things. (laughs) Because it's always about chi cultivation for me. It's always about finding my inner monk, my inner Buddha. I have, uh, and I've said this before on the show as well, I have been a monk, a lama, a Rinpoche, a priest. I've been so many things in my past life, but it's been very solitary and very uh, monkish. (laughs) So I'm very good with being alone and by myself and, you know, doing all this work. And that's not for everybody. So uh, I am going to offer up some what I think are fantastic books. Um, What I've done is I've just put them together on a a list on the website so that you don't have to sit here and try and write them down. Um, But they're just really great. You can look at all of them. You can look at one of them. I don't really care. They're just some really great uh, books to help you get an idea of what contentment really looks like, what peace and serenity really looks like, and how to find true happiness. I think we've been conditioned to believe that, you know, it's something outside of ourselves. It's something beyond ourselves. It's not attainable. When in fact, you came in with the software. You know exactly what it is that's going to make you happy. So in the show that I did a couple of weeks ago, you know, I said, if you're going to do something, only do three things and really add more nothing into your daily routine. Seriously, I mean, do nothing this time with all the retrogrades. This year has had more retrogrades than many, many, many years that we've had. We'll just say a lot of the astrologers are are saying that they, you know, in their lifetime of doing the work that they do, they've never seen this many retrogrades. So you have to take notice of comments like that. So there's a reason why we are being asked to slow down. There's a reason why all of these quote-unquote unprecedented times are occurring now it's there to help us wake up but while this has been working for some of you most of you are in the thick of something you're coming to terms with something you're in a crisis of something you're experiencing chaos and so if you're coming face to face with such things it can be really hard to say well Amanda I can't do nothing You know, I'm receiving emails from people that are facing divorce or going through divorce, uh, experiencing miscarriages, loss, identity crisis. I mean, you name it, we've received emails on it. And so I get it. If you're going through a really tumultuous time and there's a lot of things that are coming at you, first and foremost, if you're not cultivating your chi, holy crap, that can be really overwhelming to deal with. It can be extremely stressful. It could be hard to sleep at night. It could be hard to function, focus, all of those things. So again, that's why I put together the reading list that I did today. And I'm going to be offering up tips because you know how to weather the storm and how to steer your ship 
when you're cultivated. And I know you're probably so sick of me saying this. I feel like I've done like a hundred shows this year on this one topic. But clearly not everyone is doing it or they're not certain how to do it. So hopefully today's show will help fill in some of those gaps. Hopefully. That's the goal anyways. (laughs) So that is what this year has really promised us which is what I was just talking about with all the real uh, retrogrades and stuff is that 2020 promised to strip away really all the shit that's not serving you and really forcing you to step outside of your ego and there's nothing wrong with your ego it's there for a reason it's there for a purpose the problem is is that most of us have become like 95% ego And so we've got far too much yang in our lives and not enough yin. There has to be a balance. And that's the message of the Tao, which is going to be one of the books that I'm going to recommend. But more on that in a minute. So this year is really a stripping away of sorts to basically force you and your ego to let that shit go. You know, all the stuff that's not serving you. And it cracks me up when... I talk to people and they're still not getting it or they're still uncertain or they're still trying to figure out, well, how do I simplify? What exactly does this look like? I don't know what this means. I'm not driven by ego. Here's a great example. And Susan, if you're listening to this, hey girl, uh, Susan is this man's wife. And I found out earlier that she's been listening to the show, but uh, I went to my chiropractor and I was just talking to him about, you know, Uh, what his goals were and, you know, what he's got going on and how he's dealing with all this crazy ass energy. And he smirked and said, oh, well, my goal is to have 10 offices. I was like, what in the bloody hell? Are you serious? And he said, yeah, but, you know, I have two now. And I've been thinking of actually closing the second one because I'm realizing that it's just too hard and it's wearing me out. <laughs> uh, yeah, you think? So what makes me laugh about this is that this is external conditioning. Oh my God, 100%, right? We think that we need to be better, faster, smarter, prettier, you know, all the mores in life. In order to, I don't know, get to the top of the mountain? I don't know. I don't know what everybody's striving for. And just his thinking that, well, I can't just have one office to be successful. That can't possibly be true. I need 10. (laughs) So this is the epitome of our culture because it rewards egoic nonsensical behavior like this and if you're really ingrained into the fold of this collective if you don't do those things if you don't have 10 whatever then you feel unworthy and guilty because you're not enough because you're not doing it and the other guy is right if you're not striving for more stretching for more and not just more for the sake of more you're failing Where the hell did this idea come from? Oh my God. (laughs) It's so crazy to me. So as yoga teacher, Rachel Brayton, I think that's how you pronounce her last name. It's either Bratton or Brayton. She says in a society 
that profits from your self-doubt, liking yourself is a very rebellious act. Holy cow. Amen. Hallelujah. Right there. A rebellious act. And I've experienced this myself because I've really been really, really dipping out of the fold for the last five to six years. Exiting, we'll call it. And I get the pressure. I get it. I see it. When I talk to my clients who are stretched too thin, my friends, my family, they're overwhelmed. But they feel like they constantly have to be making sacrifices to keep up with their overwhelming schedules. They're experiencing heavy anxiety, you know, one thing after another that they have to do. They feel obligated. They feel guilty. It's just go, 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 do, do, do. Let's get one thing straight. Those that are in the fold doing what they think is right, holy crap, y'all are addicted to suffering. You're addicted to the have tos and feeling like you have to serve in that way of living. Otherwise, you're going to be seen as something. It could be that you're seen as, you know, productive. You're seen as an unfit parent. You're unseen as not being successful enough. It's the enough, enough, more, more, more. So, because I think that the biggest fear is, is that if you're not striving, what would happen if you stepped out of it? Oh my God, scary. But those that are addicted to suffering will say, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. I I can't step out of that because, you know, people will argue with me. They're going to chastise me. They're going to reject me because God forbid, if I choose a quieter, easier journey, I'm I'm definitely going to be rejected. I'm going to be rejected for not going with the herd in favor of an easier life. I experienced this. I've experienced this with my clients. They want me to be super reactive. They want me to, you know, uh, get on things very, very quickly. They want me to join their fire and I won't do it. And, you know, especially nowadays, they'll, they'll think that if they pay me more money or if they do more, if they give me more, you know, I'll respond. I don't give two shits. (laughs) I don't respond to that anymore. So you may be tempted to stay in the fold because why? It's acceptable and it's comfortable. It's what you know. But here is the thing. And this comes from the Tao. Eventually, there becomes a moment when the hardship of staying in the suffering outweighs the fear of leaving. So leave the pollution and suffocation behind. It is only within solitude that you will find your way. So the bottom line is stop serving the ego, stop serving the the collective, which is basically rewarding the ego and how you feel, because most of you don't feel good with the way that it's showing up, right? And you have to add more yin to your life. That's how you're going to get the balance. And that's what 2020 is asking every single one of you to do, to break away from the shoulds, coulds, woulds, the guilt, the shame, you know how you think things should be, none of that matters. Bear witness to who you truly are and really be, just dare to be brave enough to go after what you truly want and what you truly desire. You know what I truly want and desire? To live in a little dinky tiny house on a hundred acres away from everyone 
in the middle of the woods, just completely engulfed and suffocated by nature. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> I mean, I just want no part of the mass bullshit anymore. I want to live off the grid. I just want to be a monk again. That's where I'm at. But to each his own. That's not going to be for everyone, right? It's what is it that you truly desire? Stop denying that. Because a lot of us that, you know, have bought into the fold and the conditioning, we think, oh, I can't possibly do those things. I can't live out in the middle of the woods and live off the grid. What would people think? I will be rejected. I will be chastised. The blah, blah, blahs that we tell ourselves. When in fact, what you truly desire is the way. So, I've said it before and I will say it again. Many spend far too much time in their heads and not enough time in their hearts. I was just talking to Judy Miller a couple of days ago. She's the author of a fantastic new book called Perfect. Uh, she'll be on the show next week. And it was funny because as we were talking, she said, I really envy you and how you live. You know, she said, you live in the woods, you bask in nature, you meditate, you do yoga. She's like, that just sounds amazing. Well, guess what? Let me remind every single one of you, this is by design. I created this life and so can you. What is it that you truly, truly desire? What is it that you truly, truly want? Do you even know the answer? Because if you've been going, going, going and, you know, striving for 10 different offices, good Lord, <laughs> you probably have no idea what it is that you truly want because you've never really sat in thinking or daring to think that you could have the things that you truly desire. You are striving for something that you've been told that you want. So I created this life because I could. And it's a choice to step out of the fold and learn to balance the yin and yang in my own life. I actually used to think that I needed to have $10,000 a month to survive. Let me say that again. $10,000 a month to survive. <laughs> what a trip. I mean, holy cow, that's all ego. No one needs that much money. Well, maybe if you're like a huge family, you do. But that is what I really want to talk about today because I really had this belief system that I needed all of this money to survive each month to live each month and what I realized is that as I started simplifying and I sold off everything that I owned and started paring down I realized I needed very little to live a very content and happy life I sleep at night I'm content I'm happy these are all things that a lot of people don't say that they have. But this was all by design. I chose to step out of the fold to live this life. And again, this isn't going to be for anyone and everyone. But if you are really seeking and searching for true contentment and wanting to live a simpler, easier life, these are definitely some things that you're going to want to pay attention to. And I think that everybody can incorporate these things into their life. You know, no one needs as much as they think that they do. And that is what today's show is going to be about. I really want to drive home, you know, and that's what 2020 is reminding all of you to do. So if you're really struggling, you may be forcing and, and going against the grain, which is making it more difficult. 
It's really time to slow down and simplify, simplify, simplify. So what does that look like? And more importantly, why the hell do I want to do it, Amanda? <laughs> right? What do you want to do with this? How do you really want life to look like for you? You know, you may hear me and, and hear about this lifestyle and you may think to yourself, that ain't for me. That ain't what I want. That is perfectly okay. And good for you for knowing that. Half the people I ask can't even answer that question. But you do not want to continue to fight the energy and white knuckle your way through this with like increasing brute force. It's not going to work for you. It's just going to keep coming at you harder and harder. And to me, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> but you do have free will. You always have free will. So you can do whatever the hell you want to. But when it comes to the Tao, you really want to be one with nature. You want to step into flow. So rather than swimming upstream, you're swimming with the current. Oh my God, life is so much easier there. It's so much more peaceful and happy. So... I think what I, before I dive into these tips and what I'm going to offer up today, I, I want to answer the question, why do I want to live this way? Why do I want to do these horribly boring things, Amanda? Here are some reasons why. Life becomes freer and easier. Life becomes less stressful. I cannot tell you when I was in my 30s how many nights I could barely get to sleep because I had a project whirling around in my head and a pissed off client that needed this, that, and the other thing. And it really wasn't a crisis, but I got looped up in their fire and their emergency and made it my own. And so I would have terrible insomnia. I had terrible digestive issues. I mean, my life was so stressed out and it was all due to external, you know, the circumstances going on around me because I believed that having stress and a long to-do list meant that I was productive and successful. Uh, external conditioning, 1000%. Uh, you want to do this because you want happiness and contentment, right? I mean, how many people can truly say that they're happy and content? Better sleep. Oh my God. Amen. Hallelujah. Better sleep. Man, at night, like nine o'clock at night, pfft, I'm crashing. I'm so damn tired and I sleep the entire night through. I wake up. I'm damn happy. I'm so excited for the day. Can't wait for the day. And then of course, better focus and attention. Good Lord. Everybody has so much shit going on and bings and bells and distractions. Nobody focuses. Nobody has an attention span anymore. So slowing down, living more simply, you can actually get into the deep work, which is one of the books I'm recommending by Cal Newport. He talks all about this. So I've said it before. I live like an old man or an old woman. I think more like an old man, though. <laughs> and it's glorious. I have a solid routine and I do it every day. I typically wake up around 4.30 or 5 in the morning. I do not look at my phone or any technology until 8 or 8.30 in the morning. Sometimes it's later. Depends on my mood. Depends on how I feel. And I really bask in this time from about, you know, 5 to 8.30 in the morning. Uh, this is typically when I read. I will read books. Uh, they're almost always spiritual books, either on the Stoics, the Tao, Zen, Buddhism, 
Um, I really like to start my day with spiritual texts because they set me up in a, a really good mindset and it reminds me to be mindful. Even I have to remember, you know, so it really sets me up in a peaceful mood. It's also the time that I meditate so I can go inward. And I think that when you understand the importance of stillness and silence, you know, this is one of the things that drives me nuts when I go and I stay with people and they roll out of bed, they immediately look at their phone. And when they walk into the living room, they immediately turn on the news. I don't want to hear any of that. I don't want to hear all that chaos and noise. So I have learned that for me, starting my day and my, my morning in silence is one of the best ways to start off peacefully. And I'm going to be sharing uh, another one of the books today is by Ryan Holiday. And his new book, I think it came out a, a little over a year ago, maybe, or no, it's just about a year old. Uh, it's called Stillness is Key. Is key. And he shares this great story about Napoleon that I had never heard. And he talks about how Napoleon had a rule that no mail that was delivered would be open for three weeks. And if it was deemed urgent, he wouldn't open it for even longer. <laughs> I love this. And the reason that he did this is he found that by delaying when the mail came in, he, he realized that if he delayed opening it, he wasn't getting caught up in other people's storms and drama. And he wasn't getting whisked away into the chaos. And what he found is that by doing this approach, most of the time, almost all things worked themselves out and never, ever required his attention by the time he replied. I mean, hello, <laughs> if that's not a testament, you know, I think so often we get that email or that phone call and we, <laughs> and we get really worked up very quickly into it and it becomes our problem when in actuality, most things will work themselves out. So I thought that was a great reminder for that. So let's dive into some of these tips. Tip number one, be proactive, not reactive. Someone else's fire is not your flame. So this is what I was just sharing with uh, the story of Napoleon. Don't get caught up in the drama. This is so common in our culture, especially with all the damn technology constantly pinging and shouting at us. You know, this heightened sense of now, I need it now. You should have done it now. And I see crazy ass entrepreneurs with Oh my God, like Gary V on YouTube. He's got like a gazillion Instagram followers and YouTube followers. And he promotes and pushes this way of life. And the problem is, is people eat this shit up because they think, oh, well, I want to be like Gary V. So I've got to wake up at 4.30 in the morning and I can't go to bed until one o'clock in the morning and I have to push like hell and I have to strive, strive, strive and go, go, go. Otherwise I'm lazy and productive. Why? Because he said so. No, this is far too young. And this is really, you know, the patriarchal system that has been in place for far too long. This is so dangerous for your nervous system over time. This is unbalanced chi to the nth degree. So you cannot have that much yang in your life without burning out and crashing. This is going to ultimately affect you in horrible ways of digestive issues, 
uh, heart issues, nervous system issues, definitely going to have a nervous breakdown at some point. This is way too hard on your system. So slow down. Take your time and think about what is best for the situation and what is best for you. If it takes you a day to come up with a solution, fine. But if it takes you a month, so be it. The most important thing is you have to allow the feelings, the thoughts, and the conclusions to unfold with very careful consideration. Not mindless, hurried anarchy. I mean, everyone is so reactive these days and overly opinionated without any wisdom. They're just reacting because they're distracted and they have no attention spans and they know nothing about anything. One of the other stories that Ryan Holiday shared in Stillness is Key, he gives this amazing example of why taking time to think things through matters. So in 1962, the Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev, I think is how you pronounce it, announced a possible nuclear war from Cuba. And not only was this 1,000% ego, good Lord, but Nikita believed that Kennedy was far too weak to be a world leader. So he wanted to set this threat up, basically, to intimidate the leader of the free world. Now, in some respects, he was right. Kennedy had a little background or experience in politics. But what the Soviet leader failed to realize was two things. Joe Kennedy, John John's father, taught him to never lose. This was ingrained in him. And number two, John Kennedy had Addison's disease, which ultimately became a gift in disguise because what this taught him was that he needed to use his mind over physical strength because he always had back problems. He was always in pain. So when this occurred, and Nikita announced this, rather than being reactive, Kennedy decided to take a step back. He started asking a lot of questions. Why did Khrushchev place these missiles? What is the ultimate gain? What purpose does all of this serve? Why would he do this? These are great questions, rather than let's blow them up and go after him. Really trying to get to the root of where this man was coming from and why he placed him. So what Kennedy did is he dove into books and read up on nuclear war. He read up on nuclear missiles and more importantly, how leaders lead. And he also read up on why they fight and what they think about it all. He really wanted to get into the mind of this Soviet leader and understand where he was coming from. Now remember, uh, Maybe some of you don't. If you're a millennial, you probably don't know that much about the Cuban Missile Crisis. But this only occurred over 10 days. So it was a very short amount of time. And so when you're dealing with something like nuclear power, imagine the enormous weight on Kennedy's shoulders to make a decision. And the entire world is basically looking at Kennedy to see what he's going to do. How is he going to handle this? Now, what Kennedy did is he prepared and he read up, and over the course of these very stressful 10 days, the world watched to see how he would react and lead his country forward. And I think a lot of people expected him to fail, especially Nikita. 
But Kennedy decided to create a naval blockade around Cuba to show his strength. But it was through direct conversation with the Soviet leader that the crisis came to a close. Kennedy did promise to remove nuclear power from Turkey, which was a threat to Russia at the time, but it would only occur after the Soviet leader removed his missiles from Cuba. So, strong negotiation skills. Which, remember, or not, if you read up on it, you'll learn about this, but Cuba's only 90 miles away from U.S. soil. So imagine being put in that position. Imagine that you are the leader of the free world and it is up to you to make the right decision so that nuclear power and nuclear war is not set off. It was through his mind and careful consideration that he led the U.S. out of detriment and threat. Kennedy did not react in an egoic way, which I think a lot of presidents do. He carefully thought out his plan discussed options with all of his advisors. He learned, he read up more carefully on the subject matter and leaders. He kept taking a step back and taking more step backs and tried to really understand where this leader of the Soviet was coming from. What was the real gain about this? And when he had the conversation with Nikita, he realized that it was because he thought that Kennedy was not prepared or a good leader. And turns out that he ended up being the best leader around for such a circumstance, right? I mean, it was because of Kennedy's careful forethought that this came to a conclusion in a peaceful way. This is a shining example of greatness, especially in a very reactive world. Think what you want about Kennedy, the affairs, the womanizing. I don't give a shit. It's a great example of not being reactive, but instead taking a step back and being proactive. And ultimately, it led to peace. Number two, this is my favorite one. Talk about this all the time. If y'all don't know this by now, you're not listening. Get out in nature. Einstein, Tesla, Roosevelt, Hemingway, you know, um, there's tons more. But all of these greats attest their deep work to really all of their time spent in nature. And in fact, many of them have said that without it, critical thinking was void of genius. That's how important nature was to them. I'm going to share with you some of my uh, favorite books today and every single one of them actually mentions the importance of nature, especially the Zen books. Zen masters, Buddhas, Stoics, all the teachers, they all say nature is key. And it's true because it fluffs your chi and it makes you happier. It's why forest bathing is a part of the Zen practice because they realize that, you know, if you spend 15 to 30 minutes in nature, it will completely flip the script on your chi and make you feel better, which I've talked about. But go out in nature, you know, don't take your phone, just go out and bask in it. Uh, A couple of days ago, I was out on my trails and, you know, I'm nuts when I'm outside. I know that people probably look at me and think I'm nuts. Because I behave like a three-year-old. I talk to the plants. I'm hugging trees. I'm touching them. I'm rolling around on the grass. I play with the insects. And, you know, because I'm outside, the normal people, quote-unquote, you know, the ones that are in the fold are always chattering under their breath about the, quote-unquote, weird girl. Did you see what she just did? 
<laughs> I love it. The weirder, the better. I love I love to freak people out, which is because of I'm doing stuff that they should be doing. But to me, what is crazy, as I was basking in nature and doing all these glorious things, oh my gosh, right in the middle of my path, I'm sauntering on the path and plop, this brilliant blue butterfly the size of a coaster just plopped down in front of me, right on my path. I mean, I just, I stopped dead in my tracks. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what a gift it was. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I noticed her immediately. I played with her. I talked with her. I ran around with her. I mean, I was just immersed in joy. It was the most crazy, amazing, delightful thing. As she fluttered away, I continued down on my path. I was uplifted. I was so excited. I couldn't wait to get back to do an I Ching divination to find out what the message she, you know, was providing me. I was just, I was thrilled by all of this. I mean, it just totally made my day. And as I turned around, the, the trail just ends. It doesn't like circle around. It just ends. So I turned around and as I was walking back to the spot that the butterfly was, Several minutes later, I saw this woman who was walking towards me. And as she was walking, I realized she was on her phone and she was looking down. And the butterfly returned. She came out of nowhere and was fluttering around this woman as if to say, hello, hi, it's so nice to meet you. And here I was, I mean, I was glorious that she returned. I was delighted that she returned. And this dumb woman missed every bit of it. She didn't see a damn thing because she was on her phone and looking down the entire time. She missed everything. So here was a delightful nature spirit speaking to this woman and giving her the greatest gift of her day. And she saw and consumed none of it. She was likely looking on her phone, doing a text message, maybe reading the news, consuming shit that will not change or shift her chi in any way. It's likely whatever she was reading was upsetting, stressful, and causing more anxiety. So that to me is mind-blowing. Go out in nature without your phone and delight in her gifts and her messages. Number three, silence. This is key right now. Good Lord. Add more silence in your life. Our little nervous systems are constantly being pinged by car alarms, sirens, screeching tires, airplanes, horns, chirping phones, radios, email alerts. <gasps> Our systems never get a break. I mean, talk about chi distortion. Your little system, your little parasympathetic nervous system is no wonder everybody acts like they're schizophrenic. No joke. You have to have silence in your life. When I wake up in the morning to read, I'm in absolute silence for two to three hours. This is the time that I read and meditate and I set up my day for success. And another great tip is, you know, if you're not sure where you can fit silence into your life, you know, if you're currently working from home and you've got kids under the roof, you've got your husband under the roof, one of the best places to go in silence is in your car. When you are by yourself and driving, turn everything off, turn your phone beeps, alerts, all the crap off. Just drive in silence. It gives your system and your brain a break. It's great. Trust me. Try it. It's amazing. I drive all the time in silence. Number four, turn mundane events into something precious. Just precious moments of gratitude. 
a few weeks ago, a publicist reached out to me and she was asking me if I knew anything about this all new laundry soap called Zoom. And I had not heard of it, but I told her, I said, hey, you know, if you want to send me a sample or something, I'll try it. And so she sent me a sample of it and I couldn't believe how amazing it is. It's aromatherapy laundry soap. It's super highly concentrated aromatherapy. And I wasn't sure I knew what that meant, you know, because I was like, so there's like essential oils in it or like, what does that mean? And then I used it and I was like, oh my God, holy wow. I've only done a couple of loads of laundry, but what was so cool is that my clothes not only smell amazing, but my entire house smelled like essential oils. And I washed these clothes like, I don't know, a week ago or so, and my closet still smells like all of those essential oils. It's so cool. And, you know, I always try to be extremely mindful in all the tasks that I do, but what was great is that it made my laundry just more fun. It was, it was a lot more delightful because every time I was smelling the essential oils, I was like, this is so rad. Like it fluffed my chi. It totally fluffed my chi because not only was it delightful while I was doing the laundry, but it lingered and it continued on. So it was like the gift that kept on giving. And I think what's great is that it was something that, you know, typically is mundane that not a lot of people love to do, but it made the process really enjoyable. So I reached out to her to let her know. I was like, hey, this is this is really great. You know, thank you for sending that to me. I really did enjoy it. And uh, I said, hey, you know, um, if you want to maybe extend something to my audience or something, I'll tell them the story about doing laundry and really enjoying it. And I'm excited to let you guys know that she did extend an offer Um, and I'm not being sponsored to say this. They're not paying me, you know, to mention this, but it truly was an awesome, uh, day of laundry. I really enjoyed it. And so because I enjoyed it, I would love for you guys. I know that just because of all the stuff that's going on in your lives, sometimes the best gifts that we can have are really being present in the now and really just diving into each moment and really enjoying them even if you're doing laundry. And having just incredible aromatherapy while I was doing my laundry was pretty kick-ass. I really did enjoy it. So if you want to check it out, you can go to indigowild.com. The laundry soap is called Zoom, and they're going to do a free bundle box. If you spend 40 bucks, um, just type in Amanda40. And again, I'm not being sponsored. I'm not being paid for this. They just wanted to see if I would enjoy it, and I really did. Um, I think the one I got was the sample that they sent me was uh, salt, I think it was called. I don't remember now. But all I have to say is that I really did enjoy it. And it made something that would typically be pretty mundane and not super enjoyable to something that, you know, really was delightful. I loved the fact that it made my whole house smell fantastic. And my closet still smells like the aromatherapy. And so I think we underestimate sometimes how the power of smell can really shift our chi. Number five, read more. Stop consuming so much television. It's just filled with nonsense and more chaos and things to stress out your system. And reading is such a terrific way to learn. Whether you read novels or 
uh, read self-help books or, you know, you're learning a new topic. I rarely read novels. In fact, I can't remember the last time that I did. I typically read, you know, stuff that I learn and, and expands my spiritual growth. Um, so the books that I'm uh, going to recommend today are for spiritual growth and chi cultivation. But, you know, it doesn't matter. Even if you want some guilty pleasure to get lost into, the ultimate goal is that it makes you feel better. Whether you're learning or getting in, you know, completely consumed in a lusty novel that, you know, takes you to some other place in your mind, you know, it cultivates your chi. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel happy. And it's quieter and it's in silence, which is awesome. But I think that the biggest thing is, is that so many people have started consuming television without even realize how much they're actually consuming because we have so many devices now. And with new inventions like Audible, which allows you to listen to a book so you could listen while you're out in nature, going for a walk, you know, when you're doing things around the house, uh, organizing the garage, you can listen to a book and get lost in it. And so the task that you're doing that you would normally deem mundane doesn't seem so bad. And in fact, you might find that you want to do more things so you can listen to your book. Um, I typically read three to four books a month. I keep trying to hit that almighty 50. I hear so many like entrepreneurs and stuff. Uh, they read 50 a year. If that's not ego, I don't know what is. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to do it. And then I don't. But I'm a really slow reader. Um, and this is intentional. I, I tend to, when I read something... I really want to digest it. I want to contemplate it. Um, I really want to think about it. I want to think about how it fits into my own life um, and the relevance of it, you know. And so I tend to be really slow when I do read. But I read a lot and I do read every single day. I, I try to read for two to three hours every day. So, you know, I, I do pretty good compared to the average person. But, you know, I typically... Uh, reread things as well. One of them is the Tao. I read, I, I reread that at least once a year. And I also have particular favorites that I really love to dive back into. Um, books that uh, remind me of where my contentment, where my peace, where my happiness can be found. So I think what's really great about spiritual texts that are favorites is that you'll listen to it or you'll read it and you'll take away something now but you'll return to it and then see it for the first time hear it for the first time so this happens a lot when I read the Tao where I may read a stanza and it means something to me today but it means something entirely different to me a year from now so that to me is just uh, otherworldly because it speaks to you in a different way I've put together uh, a list of over 10 books. I think there's uh, maybe 13 books um, on my list. But I think what's great is that this really also helps you get out of the fold because it helps you to really seep in what you desire uh, and marinate in the things that matter most to you. And when you can find true contentment, you're much more likely when you touch that to want to step out of that quote unquote fold that I was talking about earlier because you don't want anybody to take that piece away take that magic away 
Um, I'm going to list a couple of the ones here uh, that are some of my top favorites, but uh, and I'm not going to do the whole list. You can just go to the website, gatesinteriordesign.com forward slash favorite books uh, for the full list. Um, but the Dow, uh, as I mentioned, is one of my favorites. A lot of people are intimidated by this book and it can be pretty heady. One of my favorites is The Dow Made Easy by Alan Cohen. It doesn't go through every single stanza. He touches on some of the higher notes. But this is a really terrific introduction to the Tao. And to me, it makes it very accessible for a newbie. And it's not a subject matter that a lot of people want to dive into because they think it's going to be boring or they're not going to understand it. So this is just such a great book to help you dip your toe into it and really see, oh, this is amazing. And he includes some really great stories about Lao Tzu. Um, to help, I think it just helps memory so that it helps the uh, stanzas stick, which I think is great. Great way to introduce the Tao to people. Another favorite, I reread this one every single year. It's called The Things You Can See Only When You Slow Down. This is by Heyman Soonan. Uh, terrific, terrific book. This one, it came out. I think three or four years ago, I bought it at the Nashville airport. I was on the way to fly home and holy cow, I, it, my flight was only four hours and I completely consumed it on the flight over. It just blew me away. It's a very short read, but it's chocked full of extremely valuable wisdom. It, terrific, terrific book. And again, if you're at home, you got kids at home, this is a great book for the whole family to dive into. Uh, another big time favorite I don't reread this one every year but I have read it probably four or five times The Nature of Physical Reality by Jane Roberts um, this is a classic this has been around since the 70s this is a part of the Seth books but it's a reminder of why you want to let shit go why you want to stop worrying and, and realize that you are the captain of your own ship health is about your beliefs and your mindset and the attitudes that you have. And this is all from conditioning. This is all external bullshit that we've signed up for and may not even realize that we're doing it. But in this book, you're going to discover that most of the physical ailments that we have begin in our mind. And guess what? When you hold those beliefs, they're in your chi. So ultimately, you end up attracting an environment that backs that belief up. So that's why when I look at your floor plan, I can say, yep, you're experiencing digestive issues. Ooh, yikes, you're trying to get pregnant and you can't, you know, so that's how I can see those things because they're in your chi. It's telling and it tells me everything I need to know. So this is a great book that really explains why certain ailments show up in your life, how they got there and what to do about it. And finally, real magic. Oh, I love this book by Dean Radden, uh, Dr. Dean Radden, I should say. I've mentioned this book before on the show, uh, but it's a super favorite of mine. Um, he shares just wonderful examples of the power of your mind and proves, proves, proves that magic is possible. And I think it's so important to remember that you have the power to change your circumstances. That you have the ability and the power to change your reality and manifest what you want. And Dr. Uh, Raiden, 
I'm not sure if it's Raiden or Radden. I think it's Radden. But he shares these incredible examples in his own life and the studies that they've done at Noetic Sciences. Um, just powerful examples of how you can manipulate your surroundings. And I just did this myself. Uh, we just had our entire building just had all the plumbing redone for water conservation. And y'all know I'm an environmentalist. I'm all for water conservation. But the, put, the, the stuff that they put in all the like new toilets and faucets and crap like that, shower heads, they're terrible and they're cheap. I can't stand them. Oh, God. So every morning, a part of my routine is that my cat jumps up onto the bathroom counter and she wants to drink out of the faucet. And I highly encourage this because a lot of times indoor cats don't drink enough water. So she noticed immediately that the faucet was different because she couldn't get under it correctly to get the drip right. So I took the aerator out of the kitchen and put it in the bathroom to keep the cat happy. But then I wasn't happy with what was in the kitchen. So I, you know, voiced my opinion to the universe. Well, this is dumb. I don't like this. You know, I want a different aerator. And I just simply said this, you know, not expecting anything as a result of that. But... I went to the grocery store and as I was driving into my driveway, what's on the ground but a brand new aerator with plastic around it. I couldn't believe it, although I could, but I was like, get the frick out. So I get out of the car, I grab it, but the aerator part, not the metal part, but the aerator part where the water comes through had a little bit of a crack in it. So it worked, but it didn't work well. I was like, darn it. And then I was reminded by Dolores Cannon, who talks about in her work all the time, that when you ask for things, you have to be clear. She had this great example of a client of hers that desperately wanted to find love, wanted to be in love, wanted to find the love of her life. And she did, but he was married. So she left out a very specific detail that this man needed to be single. So I was reminded by this when I found this aerator. I got what I wanted. I got what I asked for, but I didn't say I needed one that worked. So that evening I go for a walk. And when I realized that my aerator was broken, I was like, ha ha ha. Okay, universe, I need one that works. Wouldn't you know, when I step out my front door, on my doorstep is an aerator that works. The problem is, is that it had the screw part that screws into the faucet and it was just missing the aerator altogether. So guess what? It worked, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted. So at this point, I'm cracking up. I'm like, this is just so funny. So I'm like, okay, universe, I need an aerator that is functional, that works well, that has the aerator component in it and functions like it's brand new and isn't broken. Like I had to literally be extremely clear about what it was that I wanted and how I wanted this thing to work. So the next night I sit down for dinner and I hear my spirit guides, they say, go out your front door. And so I walk out my front door and I've got like this really cute little wicker bench sitting out there. And on the bench seat is a brand new aerator with all its working parts, perfectly functional, and it works amazing. Yup, I did that. <laughs> Third time's a charm. So 
that's why Jane Roberts' book is so fantastic because, and actually all of them, but uh, Real Magic is another example. It just shows you the power that you have to manifest things that you want in your life, but you have to be clear about what it is you want. So that is a really important factor as we're going through this pandemic and we're experiencing a lot of change and turmoil and shit going wrong and we don't like the circumstances that are showing up. Well, you're focusing on the things that you don't want and not focusing on what you do want. So get really, really clear about what it is you want this thing called life to look like. You know, how much money do you want to be making? Where do you want to be working? How do you want work to look? Where do you want your kids to be? How do you want their education to look? You know, are you married? How do you want your marriage to be? If you're single, what do you want this new spouse coming in to be like? You have to be specific and you have to be clear down to the minute detail. And then you get exactly what you want and you stop getting what you don't want. All right, everyone, I hope that this show helps today. I wasn't planning on this going a full hour, but it looks like it does or did. So it is what it is. But I hope that by giving you specifics, this will help you with tangible tools to get started to do nothing in the next couple of months. Again, we've got a lot of uh, tumultuous astrology going on that really starts to heat up in the month of October and November. And, you know, this is not a time to be pushing and striving. This is a time to be reviewing, reflecting, slowing down, and adding more silence into your life. So today's tips are very tangible things that you can do, that you can add into your life, and start incorporating these amazing tools to get your chi right so that you don't feel stressed, anxious, and feel like you're out of control. And then... I have a fantastic guest on the show next week, which I mentioned her a little bit ago, Judy Miller, uh, who has a fantastic new book called Perfect that talks a lot about this sort of thing as well, about um, really coming down to chi cultivation and how to find happiness and contentment without all the damn judgment and all the damn labels. I think you're going to really like it. All right, everyone. My name is Amanda Gates. You've been listening to Home Energy Design. I hope that you've liked the show today. If you do like it, be sure to head on over to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a review. We love to hear from you. And again, I have put together a list of several fantastic Stoic, Buddhism, Zen, uh, spiritual texts, and other fantastic books on stillness and silence at gatesinteriordesign.com forward slash favorite books. All right, everyone, trust the vibe because the energy never lies.